Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Sci-Fi Dig. I'm your host, Aaron Makem. This week, I decided I was going to discuss some t- television series that do not get enough love. Now, these could be popular shows or somewhat popular in geek culture or shows that people know about but haven't taken the time to watch all of and or have just because there's just there's a glut of entertainment out there right now. Um, so many different uh, shows are available via Hulu and Netflix and Prime. Those are the big ones. Um, they're, they're all creating their own original content, their own original streaming content. So there's, a, there's plenty of shows to watch. So unlike back in the 90s or the early 2000s when all these uh, older shows were coming out on DVD that were no longer available, um, you know, uh, via syndication. And, you know, people were discovering them for the first time. Uh, You know, there's not really a lot of uh, reason, I guess, to go back and watch shows that are not um, solid science fiction or solid cult following shows that, you know, have made an impact but you, know, you kind of know they're there, but you haven't really gone back to watch them because there's so much new stuff coming out. And a lot of people don't want to uh, you know, take the time to go back and uh, you know, watch things from the past. And also, a lot of these shows are only available on DVD. Some of these shows are not available at all and are damn near impossible to find. Um, you know, thank- thankfully, we have YouTube, which has a lot of... Uh, of the shows that are hard to find or there's not an official media release of, the quality of the YouTube ones that are going to be hit or miss, a lot of it's just a, a quality, the pretty good quality VHS copies that are up there. But at least you can get a, um, a taste for the show and get an idea. Um, usually uh, I've come across and I'm looking for shows I haven't been able to find entire runs, but enough episodes that um, I can watch them and enjoy them for what they were at the time. Um, some of these shows are just fun shows um, that I think you should take the opportunity to watch. Some of these shows are shows that I think are solid foundations for what came after them. You know, we making an original, uh, any, any kind of original show, but any kind of original genre show that um, you're just, you know, starting from scratch and building upon um, and trying to get a following and trying to get ratings if you're on TV can be hard to do. Um, it's a difficult thing, and you know, considering you know now, now it's damn near impossible. Um, some of these shows that I'm looking at are older, and they, you know, at the time there was only three networks, and if they couldn't garner a following then or a following that made people happy then, I can only imagine in this time of uh, all these different streaming services that we have available that it would be that much more difficult. I think that. You know, you have a company like Netflix, which, you know, right now we, we can all pretty much all agree that they are kind of the rulers of the streaming um, of the entertainment in general. You know, they have a huge following. And then you have shows, you know, uh, or network, I use the term network, but providers, I guess, like Prime and Hulu. Um, everybody's trying to do their own thing to try to get you in. You know, a lot of the places are offering live TV, which is pretty expensive. And they're trying to tie down deals with networks, and but they're also offering their own original content. And some of the original content that's out there, like you know DC Universe, I talked about that in the past. Um, I talk about that a lot because that's the one that I have that's different. I have, uh, I don't have a lot of streaming services. Obviously, I have Netflix, but like I haven't tried. There's a whole lot of offshoots of independent ones that only have you know don't have as many uh, followers. And DC Universe is one of those, but they do. Uh, Titans and Doom Patrol. Uh, Doom Patrol is super weird, um, just like the comics. Super weird, but man, I really enjoy it. And they and they are 
it's definitely adult. They use language. There's definitely a lot of violence. I just watched an episode where somebody got their legs ripped off and the guy ripped off his legs beat somebody else with them. And I thought it was brilliant. But how many followers, subscribers do they have to have um, in order for them to turn a profit? I don't know. But right now, I'm you know, shows like that, there's just so many different shows. I mean, there's not a time when you, if you have, uh, like, say, two or three streaming services, if that's all that you had, you didn't have cable or anything like that, there's not a time where you cannot um, turn something on and find something to watch, you know, uh, fire up on those services. You know, I mentioned in the past that CW has their own app that uh, they, they're doing it right. They have, they offer their shows the day after on the app, and there's commercials that you can't skip, and I'm okay with that. Um, the only downside that I find with CW is that um, a lot of times uh, it'll pause and say that it can't, that, you know, it's having trouble with the network or whatever. And at the time, I thought maybe somebody else was doing a network, but I have that happen when I'm the only one here and I'm the only one pulling anything down on the network and I have issues with it at time to time. I wish that it had more of a buffer or um, the option to download. I understand why they don't want to do that because they're, they're trying to um, garner money from the advertisements, but I wish that there was something that they could do to fix that problem. But there's plenty of things on to watch. That's my point. And so I thought a lot about whether or not I wanted to do a show talking about older television shows. But these are shows that I decided to pick shows that really that affected me. And that's what I can the only, the only thing I can do in this podcast is make it personal and hope that maybe some people will enjoy some of these shows. Um, I, and I've most of these shows have. Um, you know, most of them have DVD releases and some of them even have Blu-ray releases. But with that being said, um, I, let's jump in. There's no particular order here. There's not, not like a list of like best of the worst of. It's just shows that have caught my attention over the years. And um, I, I just like a lot of these are from my youth that really grabbed me. And I just got curious and started going back and trying to find them and see if they have official releases. Some of them I knew that they did. Some of them I knew that um, they didn't have a DVD release, but I kind of hope that maybe they were available streaming somewhere, but I've been unable to find um, official streams of those. I'd be able to find some episodes on YouTube, but um, they are available, and, and anything that I'm, that I'm listing here, I highly recommend you check them out. That theme song, and it was uh, not the best quality. I get that. But it was uh, from a show called A Man Called Sloan. Um, this show aired from uh, 79 to 80. There was only 12 episodes. It starred Robert Conrad as a special agent, a secret agent that um, entered through a toy store to find uh, a breaker box that he moved some things, and then he was able to get into the secret agency. Very much James Bond. They had a when you know he would go in, there'd always be always be working on items to um, help them with espionage. They had a female Q uh, character, and 
um, he would always, you know, end up getting, we usually introduce some sort of item and then he would use that in his uh, travels and his adventures of that week. Um, we had a character and I'm going to probably butcher this name and I'm not sure what else, um, this guy has been in, but it's, uh, G2 Kambuka. He played Tor. And Tor, the thing about Tor that um, I loved as a kid was that he had a, his right hand was artificial, it was metal. And he could put attachments on his hand to do different things. Like he would have like a saw or um, I think one episode he had a laser. Like I said, all the episodes are not available. Um, I've looked around. There are, there are a couple that are, the quality is actually pretty decent. And I'm curious just like how... Uh, how these things made it to YouTube because clearly they were, um, it's got to be some kind of analog recorder um, due to the time. But, you know, how did they preserve these tapes? Because, uh, man, it looks really, the quality is actually really good considering how old um, the show is. Now, I remember watching the show, I believe it was on Saturday nights, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. It was it was on after whatever, there was probably something on Saturday I watched, and this came, came on later. And I had no idea what this was the first couple times I watched it, but I was so intrigued. And obviously, the character of Tor is what uh, really drug me in. It's your typical like action adventure kind of show, but the character of Tor with his uh, science fiction hand and what he could do with that, um, and and the, the partnership of the two just really sold me on the show. And I cannot remember all of the episodes, but there was an episode I, I'm fairly sure where they were on a somewhat deserted island, and that's the one that really sucked me in. And I remember that I had watched whatever episodes there were, and at the time I was uh, I did not understand seasons or you know shows disappearing and not nothing being said. You know we lived by the TV guide back then, right? So you know the next week it would said that this show was going to be on, but it wasn't. There was something else, and I was so completely and utterly disappointed that there wasn't another episode of this show. Um, apparently the ratings were not good, and they ended up pulling the plug on the show. Um, you know at the time. You know, a lot of course, a lot of these shows that I'm going to talk about, they were obviously influenced by blockbuster films that brought in a lot of money. And so they were trying to do the same thing on a television level to try to um, make money. And it's not like today on TV where um, you have an opportunity to really soar on TV. TV at the time was considered um, less than the, you know, doing a feature film. And I understand in a lot of ways because you didn't have as much money, you know, your filming time and everything was uh, restricted. But now, now it seems as though, you know, although we have these great blockbuster movies, I think a lot of the actors prefer to do TV because they have the opportunity to really expand upon whatever character they're playing, especially if they're in a series. And um, it's kind of funny. It's it's always, you know, um, the grass is always greener kind of thing. You talk to a lot of TV or read interviews, a lot of TV people who are in series and all they want to do is go do movies and not be stuck in his character. And then you see people who are um, doing feature films and they get an opportunity to do something on TV and they really love the fact that they can dig in and play this character for a long period of time and really develop the character. But at any rate, um, Robert Conrad was in f- really good shape for this film, obviously. Um, it, it's kind of funny. Um, some of the people, uh, I was reading some comments, which is something I should probably never do. I'm trying to garner more information. And I, there was literally somebody who complained that he was leaner and thinner in Wild Wild West. And I'm like, yeah. And that was like 15, 20 years ago. I mean, like he is, you know, uh, he's in his 40s here. He looks damn good. And the show, um, I, I like it. I liked what they did with it. And it's a shame that this does not get some kind of DVD release. In a time when we are... 
Um, we have the opportunity, a lot of uh, networks, or not networks, but a lot of studios are doing um, direct-to-DVD, direct-to-Blu-ray. They're doing, you know, they're sending you burnt media, which is not great, but it's the, if it's the only way you can get the media, then I'm down with that. You know, I, I don't have, I have, there's a couple of things I've purchased over the years um, that were, you know, that type is the only way you can get it. Um, one of the shows of the Mighty Orbots, which I really loved as a kid and the animation was really groundbreaking at the time. And there was never been an official release until um, just in the last six months they had a, a, and it was kind of expensive too, but they had a burn to, to, uh, the DVD version out there, I ended up purchasing it because I just enjoy the show so much, and the quality is excellent on that. You know, I guess the problem that everybody worries about with that is the the fact that the media does not hold up, burnt media does not hold up as well as pressed media. Um, but at any rate, a man called Sloan. Go look it up, and there are several episodes on YouTube, and it's it's worth a watch. It's just a lot of fun, especially if you were um, if you remember television from that era. You know, some of the younger listeners of the show might not think it's that cool, but at the time, it was uh, it was really unique. Um, there was there was really nothing on TV like it. I mean, obviously, we had spy shows in the past, but with the uh, the way that it was set up, it was more up to date you know we had tour we had you know car phones we had a fancy car um we had all these different devices in one episode an ambulance is following them and, and the uh the siren on top is actually a cannon and they're looking at it and it, and it's, it starts shooting at them and then he flips a little switch in his car and there's a button for an oil slick and it's just so cool and so fun um i mean if you were uh, a kid back then you just love this stuff like this so i highly recommend it uh, a man called sloan go check it out That was in mono, so I apologize for that. I could not find a better version of the theme song to the show Bring Them Back Alive. Bring Them Back Alive um, started in 1982 and went on to 1983. It was one season, 17 episodes. It had Bruce Boxleitner playing as um, Frank Buck who was known to capture wild animals and bring them in for zoos and whatnot. And Obviously, uh, well, Bruce Boxleitner um, with a mustache, but I came across this show when I was younger. I had no idea what this was. Um, definitely, um, this is a show that um, it, would, it could have been made one way or the other, but I believe it was because of the um, attention that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark got that they wanted to make a show for television along those same lines. Um, now, this show, uh, you know, there's not like a whole lot of supernatural uh, around this. This is basically a spy show. Um, you know, you have 
um, Frank Buck, who is working out of Singapore and trying to capture these animals. And we have um, a cast of characters. We have um, his uh, best friend, and um, they they say best friend and number one boy in the credits. And, um, you know, they're helping to, to set up traps for these animals and whatnot. We have um, the prince um, of the area. We have the guy who's in charge of, like, you know, basically the kind of the crime boss, but definitely done in that style of um, not necessarily uh, getting his hands too dirty, um, very uh, upper crust kind of guy willing to work um, within the system, but at the same point in time, having ties to the under underworld. Um, there is a, the consulate um, who's the, the love interest, the female who's also um, there's, there's a little bit of spy action going on there. Um, but it, it was, it's funny because when you read the reviews for this show, and there's not a lot, everybody complains that the show is not realistic. Well, it's television. It's not supposed to be realistic. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be capture um, the imagination of uh, viewers everywhere. And this was just that. It was a fun show where he was always trying to capture some animal um, or uh, do some deed. It was definitely um, more adventure-oriented. I mean, obviously we had the action aspect, but it was definitely more adventure-oriented where there was a lot of jumping off of cliffs or um, trying to trap a tiger or a rhino or something like that. But it was just a lot of fun and definitely kind of a genre show um, only because it kind of fits into that whole vibe of Indiana Jones. Um, the show did not last long. It did not have a, um, uh, like I said, a lot of these shows, the ratings were poor and they ended up getting canceled. And I kind of uh, question now if something like this would even be able to live on uh, any kind of network TV considering the uh, time and effort and money spent on it if it would ever garner enough ratings to really do that. However, I think a show like this might have done all right, like on one of the streaming services if they started doing it today. But I've noticed that a lot of streaming services, when they do stuff, it's very – the sets are very small. And this set – I'm not exactly sure how big it was, but definitely when you're watching it, it is uh, – it, it it seems like you are in a very busy city or you are out in the jungle in the middle of nowhere um, in order to um, tell your story. But um, I recommend it. There are a couple of episodes on YouTube or at least a couple of intro episodes, and the quality is actually fairly good. Again, I'm not exactly sure why there's not a uh, – a burn directly to DVD uh, media kind of deal for this because I think it would uh, it would sell fairly well. Um, Bruce Boxleiter has had quite the career um, and quite the uh, different mix of shows over the years. I mean, this show, although it didn't last very long, it was obviously like one of my first introductions to him, and I didn't realize it until much later on. And Scarecrow and Mrs. King that um, that was the same character, but you know he played you know he played a wild game hunter, plays a spy, um, and then obviously Babylon Five you know he played a commander on the space station. So he has done a lot of uh, interesting things over the years and had a very uh, interesting career on television where he's been able to, to to play a wide range of characters that don't really intersperse too much. But um, this is just a fun adventure show. I highly recommend if you get the opportunity to watch just one or two episodes of it. I think, you know, two episodes, you kind of get a vibe for what's going on there. But it's just it's just a fun show.
there's no rhyme or reason to the order I'm putting these shows in. I'm just it's a combination of the notes that I've taken and the um, audio files for the theme songs. That theme song was the opening for Tales of the Gold Monkey. Now, this show um, ran from um, 82 to 83 on ABC. There was only one season, 22 episodes. Um, It was basically the story of an ex-flying tiger who is doing air cargo out of uh, 1938 South Pacific. And um, it's playing... It was the character was played by Stephen Collins. His uh, co-pilot and partner was Jeff McKay, who played a guy that drank a lot. Um, Roddy McDowell also starred, and Caitlin O'Heaney starred. Um, they had a dog named Jack that had one eye, and um, they one of the guys lost the eye in a poker game. It was the first time that um, it was a big deal that the dog barked once for yes and twice for no, or vice versa. It kind of changed up every now and then. Definitely the thing about this show was the whole feeling. This Again, another Indiana Jones kind of vibe. The whole feeling of you know being in those times. I mean, they did a great job with the makeup and everything and the set dressing for the time. It really did look like 1938, um, um, especially the leading actress who was also a spy. Um, she looked just like somebody out of 1938 with her hairstyle and the way she dressed. I mean, just did a fantastic job. I, you know, I'm not even sure what, um, I, I think that what really uh, pulled me into this show is the first episode. It had kind of like a mystical quality to it when they were looking for um, this gold monkey statue. But that's kind of what drew me in from the intros and the ads and everything that I saw for it. But I think what uh, what kept me there was the whole spy espionage thing. Um, he was having a relationship with her and she was kind of a spy. I mean, she was a spy, but she was kind of keeping it on the side. And um, the whole thing was, uh, it was just the friendship and the characters were just, I thought at the time were very well put together. Now I haven't revisited this show since it first aired. I just had really, really fond memories of it and was really disappointed when it didn't come back for a second season. Now, um, probably, I'm not sure how many years ago, there was a DVD release of this, and the price was fairly high. It was like $45, and I didn't buy it at the time. I just recently purchased this show on DVD, actually so recently that I haven't received the discs yet, but I am just, for some reason, um, part of it, that was one of the reasons that started this, wanted me to do this podcast about these different shows, was for some reason I started thinking about this show and thought, man, I would really like to go back and revisit that. Could not find it streaming anywhere. Nobody had it. And so, again, um, you know, I've talked about this in the past, but I, you know, went to physical media because there's, there's, you know, usually there's a copy of it. Um, It kills me that all these shows are um, out there and there's just not streaming rights or streaming, people aren't streaming them. I don't get it. I don't understand why, um, I don't understand why that's a thing, like why people would not jump on this to build their catalog. And I mean, surely they can negotiate the rights for several um, shows either that are you know uh, not well known um, or not current, and be able to uh, get a pack some kind of package deal. But at any rate, I highly recommend this show. It was just a lot of fun. Again, a lot of these shows, some of them are groundbreaking in a lot of ways, but some of these shows are just fun shows to lose yourself in, and they're going to have corny bits here and there. But it's just. It's definitely a vibe and a feeling of the times, you know, of what was going on on TV. You know, there's a lot of action shows back in the 80s where you have that, you know, this this guy that, you know, you have these guys that are doing incredible things, jumping on cars and this and that. Nobody's ever hurt. They just brush off the dust and 
keep on moving, moving. And, and realistically, if they jumped on a car, they'd probably have several broken bones. There'd be lawsuits and lawyers and ambulances and all kind of uh, legal problems and, and you know, um, things like that, you know. Um, I think of Simon and Simon. I love that show. And um, <laughs> some of the things they did, I'm like, how are they not arrested? You know, even when I was a kid, I'm like, how are they not arrested? But anyway, um, Tales of the Gold Monkey, um, highly recommend it. Um, Shout Factory has the rights to the show. Um, they, actually, they're uh, – I came across – well, I think I came across the, a box set on uh, Hamilton Books that I talked about a few weeks ago. And, it, you know, I was looking and I'm like, well, I wonder if this is cheaper on Amazon. And – um, it was a little bit cheaper on Amazon, I think, or the same price. And then I ended up just going to shout directly and that ended up being on sale. So I ended up getting it for, I mean, I had to pay shipping there, but I ended up getting, getting it relatively inexpensive, um, for the show. And for me, there are some shows that I'm willing to pay a few dollars more. I know that, like I said before, I know we're living in an era where everybody's kind of downsizing, getting rid of all their physical media because they, everything they ever want on streaming until it's not, and then you don't have a copy of it and there's no way to watch the show. But, um, for me, this is a show that I definitely want to go back and revisit. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to rewatch it. I kind of can't wait till the discs come so I can uh, jump in and watch a couple of episodes. Like I said, I just think it was a fun show. I really enjoyed it. It's nothing deep or anything, but um, I think the only downside was the fact that there was only one season. I wish that there was more to finish telling the story of these characters. Um, just the, the great dynamic between all the characters and plenty of uh, you know fun not necessarily funny, but fun elements between the interactions. And obviously you have all the, all the action and adventure. I mean, it seems to me that there's a lot of action um, shows available. There's not a lot of adventure shows anymore. And um, I really like the adventure of this, both, both this and bring them back alive are those shows that just had that fun adventure feel to it that you couldn't, uh, you just, you loved and bring them back alive. The one thing about that show that I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, between the commercial breaks, there was always some kind of, uh, you know, there was always that that serial feel where something would happen. You're like, oh my god, how are they going to get out of this? And they cut the commercial, and then they would come back and show how they got out of that particular situation. I don't think there's a lot of that with Tales of the Gold Monkey, but I definitely know that there was just a lot of fun with this show. So again, highly recommend it. You can get it at Shout Factory. They have um, they have it on sale right now. I think it runs about thirty five dollars um, usually, maybe thirty dollars. Um, but I think Shout had it. I can't, I can't remember the price I paid for. I just know that it was the best price out there. And I was just like, you know what the heck? I'm going to go ahead and get it. So um, maybe I can report back once I watch a few episodes. Or maybe I'll even do a breakdown of the episodes. I don't know. It's just uh, it's, it's that kind of show. We're going to see when I watch it how I feel, see if it holds up. Um, I find that uh, a lot of the shows that they made to be set at a different time still hold up. A lot of the shows that were set in the current time, not so much. Unless you're talking Miami Vice because that's the best show on television. Anyway, that was ever on television. Anyway, next one. First Wave was a collaboration between Space and the Sci-Fi Channel. It ran from 98 to 2001, had three seasons and 66 episodes. I had no idea what this show was, 
Um, this was a time when sci-fi was doing a lot of original programming and it was kind of confusing time. Like when sci-fi came out, when they start first first started broadcasting stuff, it was it was all like older stuff for remakes, and then they started slowly adding adding in like just peppering in various original type programming. Now, when I say original, I mean it wasn't hadn't really been aired in the states anywhere because a lot of stuff was from Canada, and obviously they had um, the Space Channel over there, and it was slowly making its way over here. We had a lot of interesting shows. Um, one of them was The Odyssey, which I really enjoyed um, about the kids. I didn't quite understand all of what was happening there, but that was my first introduction to something that was different and unique that I had never seen before and definitely was one of the draws that I decided that I needed to try to find a way to get to Sci-Fi Channel so I could watch these shows. But it seemed as though the first wave was it came out during a time when we had like Farscape and a couple other shows either coming out or already out. Um, I didn't look at the dates to correlate. I just remember it was a time it was like there was a couple year span where there was a bunch of different stuff that I had never seen or heard of before, and I was kind of excited that there was new stuff. Never saw the first wave from the beginning um, until I started showing it um, in syndication on there and repeats. Um, but I jumped in probably the middle or the end of season one. And I, I was intrigued. I'm like, this reminds me a whole lot of the World of the World series from the 80s, which I talked about, or 80s and early 90s I talked about on the show that I watched and was intrigued with. Only they had, the way that they did it with their budget um, made it seem uh, like it had better production value. They, they weren't, they didn't try to do a bigger type show. They tried to keep it small and have one, you know, each episode was him finding something in a, in a Nostradamus uh, journal chronicles whatever and him trying to it was correlating to an alien invasion and we we see the aliens but they don't look like aliens they look like humans and they are definitely trying to infiltrate and it just there was a lot of action and excitement and intrigue you know we had we had one of the alien characters who eventually tries to help him and is kind of playing a double agent which made it even more interesting and upped the tension because you didn't want them to get caught um, in season three, they added Tracy Lords as a female um, who is also hunting the aliens that they come across, and they had a somewhat uh, a somewhat romantic relationship later on in the episode. Um, you know, those those that season gets a lot of uh, hate because of Tracy Lords. You know, ex porn star, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, not born too far from her. Um. I disagree with the people who don't don't like those doesn't like don't doesn't like that season because of her because I felt that her character was actually really good in that show. Um, she had a strong female character who wasn't afraid to kick ass and take names, and I really like that. And it added another dynamic to the team because as it was, there was a team of two, um, and um, there was the main character who was trying to basically doing the footwork. And then there was Eddie, who he who he breaks out of an insane asylum, um, if I'm remembering correctly, breaks out of the insane asylum in the beginning, and who's helping him to decode these uh, this the book of Nostradamus and trying to figure out what's going on. The one thing I can say about this show is that there was a final ending. It, it told a story, it, beginning, middle, and end, and it was over. Um, they, they they wound things up. Um, I really enjoyed this show. This show does not have a DVD release anywhere. I think you can find season one. I think there's some overseas releases that are ridiculously expensive. Again, why is this show not available on a streaming service? Um, it seems that sci-fi has a lot of um, – um, they collaborate with a lot of other uh, 
you know, uh, different streaming services. I'm not sure why this is not up there because this is really good. Um, I did do a search before I recorded this trying to find it, could not find it. Maybe if anybody knows of a place, a legit place where it's up. I mean, you can find some episodes on YouTube, obviously, but I would rather if I'm going to, I mean, if it's something that something that's, that's multiple seasons, um, it's more than like 15, 20 episodes. I would rather have a legit service to watch it on. Um, I would love to have a DVD set of this. Um, I can tell you that years ago, um, I ended up finding uh, via a friend um, all the episodes um, in digital format. But again, I would rather um, have either a DVD set or have a um, have it available on streaming. <clears throat> I'm not sure why. It's not available. I'm not sure if it was a rights issue or what's going on, but I really enjoyed the show. It was uh, definitely influenced uh, by the X-Files in a lot of ways because it's like I said, the episodes are kind of uh, each episode is its own story. But at the same point in time, they're connecting to something larger. You know, we have that that overarching thing, which is a definitely a sign of when television started to change, when we were able to tell a story. I think, I, honestly, I believe that Babylon 5 is the one that started this, where they had each episode was about something, but there was that little string that attached that attached all the episodes and made it one story, one chapter of a story. And that's kind of what he did here. Really enjoyed this show. Um, kind of got caught up in it. And like I said, they I remember that... Uh, at some point in time, they were they were rerunning them all at like five o'clock or something, and I was it was at a time when I was able to watch them, and I watched almost all of them, and I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode, but uh, definitely something I'd like to go back and revisit because I think it was unique in a lot of ways. Um, it's unfortunate that the main character, um, whose name escapes me right now, but he is not. Uh, he has not done a lot of stuff. He's a really good looking guy, but has not done a lot of stuff. Um, beyond the first wave and I think that that's a shame because I think that he did a pretty good job as an actor now if you go to IMDB which is initially where I started trying to find out the details for the airing dates and where they aired and it just became too IMDB used to be a great website but oh my god could we have is there any way to have any more ads on that page um it's kind of a mess now um but uh I was reading the comments to see if there was any information on any kind of DVD release dates which is which is Usually something that's uh, usually pretty people are pretty good about saying where, you know, what uh, where you can get discs or how you can watch the show legally. And um, it's funny. It's like they either people are giving it top ratings because they really liked it or people are giving it one star because they hated it. Like, I don't understand the hate. Like, I don't get why people didn't like this show. It's not, you know, by no means is it an Academy Award winner, but it's a fun show. It tells a fun story. You kind of get involved with it. It was uh it was entertaining, which is kind of what I'm looking for. I'm not sure if some people that give shows such low ratings, I'm not sure what they're looking for or what entertains them. I don't get it. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to entertain me. And this one was uh, really kind of grabbed you, and I really enjoyed the heck out of it. Anyway, First Wave, highly recommend it. If you get the opportunity to watch it or if you know somewhere where it's streaming, um, please let me know. But if you get the opportunity to watch it, um, it it's a good – I don't understand why Sci-Fi doesn't have this on their um, – on their app or whatever. Their app's kind of a piece of junk, but if they are on their website, is there, why isn't there a way to stream it on there? I'm not exactly sure what's going on, if there's a rights problem or um, what's happening, but I thought sci-fi and space were kind of working hand-in-hand hand on a lot of these shows, so I'm not exactly sure what happened there, and I couldn't find any information about why it was not available. I'm hoping that uh, one of the uh, boutique DVD places will pick it up, like Shout or... Um, Mill Creek or somebody like that. Hopefully they'll do a release at some point in time. Um, like I said, there's been a lot of interesting things picked up recently. Like, you know, Andromeda had a uh, 
had a full Blu-ray and DVD release. Um, unfortunately, from what I've read about that, the DVDs actually look better than the Blu-rays, which is fine because they're cheaper. And they're also captioned. They have subtitles where the Blu-rays do not, which I never understand that. I don't understand if you're people, if you're, if you're going to put together a DVD, okay, give it captions because you're direct, you're directly competing with um, streaming services that all have captions, even on the older stuff. So if you're going to do it, just take a time to put the captions in there. You know, I don't, I don't get why they don't. And for me, not hard of hearing, but I use captions on everything. And if it doesn't have captions, then it kind of goes on the back burner until I get an opportunity where I can listen to it and not. I do a lot of my TV watching at night when I get, I, like I said, I work study afternoon. So I'll either, either I'm watching TV while everybody else is sleeping or if it if it's the cold months, I'm watching TV while I'm doing some sort of cardio exercise, in which case I need the captions because I can't hear over the machinery, right? So I don't understand. Take the time to put the captions in there. It's like my number one pet peeve with these DVD releases. They're, they take all the time to do a Blu-ray release and talk about all the things that they did to make it look pretty, but it's just you – know, they do all the stuff with the sound, but they don't bother to take the time to put the captions in. It doesn't take that much effort. Come on. Since I love science fiction, and this is kind of a science fiction podcast, I feel I should end on a science fiction show. So let's do that. There is nothing wrong with your television. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are now controlling the transmission. We control the horizontal. We end up you with a thousand channels or expand one single image to crystal clarity. Okay, if you listen to this show at all in the past, in the past, hell, it's been a long time since I've been recording this, um, 15 years or so, um, you know that I have a deep passion for the Outer Limits remake that happened in the 90s. Um, I came at the time that the Outer Limits came out, um, Showtime was um, doing uh, several series. And the uh, the two big series that they were doing was The Outer Limits and um, Stargate SG-1. And at the time, it was a huge deal because they had signed both series for three years, three seasons. And um, at the time, that was kind of unheard of because you were guaranteeing three seasons of a show that hadn't even aired yet. They didn't they didn't do one season and then, then sign, the, you know, sign up for the rest. They said, we'll give you three years. And... Um, both of these shows ultimately ended up on Sci-Fi Channel um, later on. The Outer Limits um, – actually, I thought The Outer Limits um, actually was on Sci-Fi for longer than it was. But according to what I found, um, it actually ran on – only ran on Sci-Fi from 01 to 02. The show started in 95. There's seven seasons. It's an anthology, science fiction series. Again, no formal um, physical media release. And I believe that um, season one you can find uncut, and I think season two you can find uncut. The quality is not fantastic. These are available on Hulu. 
all the other ones that you're going to see, all the other uh, seasons you're going to see have been edited. Um, at the time that they did a lot of these, they knew that they wanted to syndicate them. So they recorded, if they had a scene with nudity, um, they often did the scene again. And with scantily clad, they cut out swearing and things like that, which I guess is not a big deal. But at the same point in time, I kind of want to go with whatever the script had and, and the director's vision. And I just think it's kind of silly. Um, but when you were watching this and you had episodes that had nudity or swearing, you knew that you were watching something that you couldn't see on regular television. And you knew as soon as a show, um, especially an anthology show, is showing you nudity or cursing um, or lots of gore, you know that um, you're, they're going to be kind of free to tell the story that they want. It's kind of how I felt with Masters of Horror when there was no outside intervention when they did that show. Um, and I kind of felt that way with The Outer Limits. I felt as though the episodes were great because there was a, a huge um, a huge array of episodes. We had space episodes. We had monster episodes. We had AI episodes. We had the human condition episodes. We had episodes about disease. We had episodes about other worlds. Um, it just They were just fantastic. It was like every week was something different. There were some real standout episodes that might not have been standout for the critics, but were definitely um, standout for me and definitely way ahead of their time of what we have. Uh, one of the episodes that I always remember and definitely um, correlates to today is the episode where um, you have a civilization um, it's just it, it seems like a small town, and the idea is that when you're born, you get an implant put in your brain on the outside of your brain, and with that, you can access the net. I don't know what they called it, but I'm calling it the net, where you all the information. It was basically you can access Google at any point in time, so you knew everything, you had to do everything because it was right there at your fingertips, and just a thought, and boom, you're there. The story follows a young man who, for whatever reason, through a birth, de- birth defect or whatever, could not do that. So he had to actually learn everything. He had to actually had to learn how to do math. He had to learn how to read. He had to learn the skills and be able to recall and remember them. And he was kind of ostracized by his community because of the fact that um, he was considered dumb, even though by today's standards, um, he would probably be a genius because of all the things he had to remember and know how to do. The episode goes on, and eventually there's something wrong with it. It goes down, and it's gone forever. So you have an, it ends with the entire village, him tutoring all of them on how to read and do things because none of them can do anything because they've relied on his computer for so long. And it's one of those uh, episodes that kind of um, really made a mark on me. And again, I'm not sure what the critics think of this, but if they don't give this like 10 out of 10, they're crazy because it was just, it was brilliant. It's right up there with the Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode where um, – Burgess Meredith finally gets time to read and at the very end his glasses break. I mean, it's just, it's one of those, wow, you know, here we are. Um, be careful what you wish for kind of things. But it was, uh, it, this show, I just absolutely loved it. And even when it moved to sci-fi, they still did a pretty good job with it. My only complaint, and I didn't realize this until years later, is that the final season, we get to the last several episodes, and basically, um, I don't know if they just didn't care or they were running out of money or just lazy writing or what they were doing. Or they didn't know how to end it. They wanted to tie things up. I don't know. For whatever reason, it, it was. I felt it was like really, really dumb. I didn't really like it. It was that you had somebody um, testifying before Congress talking about how we were going to, we were having an invasion. It had been going on for years, and then they were, it was a clip show. They were showing all the clips from all the episodes of Aliens Invading, yada, yada, yada. And it was a way to try to tie all of these anthology episodes together 
and, or the majority of them and make it seem as though it was some kind of ongoing thing, which to me was just dumb. It, it didn't work. It didn't make sense. It didn't, uh, it, it was just, it just really, to me, it really lessened what this uh, show was, which was a great anthology show. They should have just ended it. They didn't have to have anything to tie it up. They were like, we're done making this. Boom, we're done. And each episode should stand on its own. And um, I just really, really enjoyed the show. And I've, I recently went back and rewatched all of season one on Hulu. And I'm, not, I'm assuming it's still up there. Um, I get kind of annoyed with the edited episodes, especially when there are certain things I remember. Um, but um, overall, I do recommend it. There's not much science fiction anthology out there. But this show, I mean, I'm a sucker for anthology shows. I don't know when that happened, but I just am. I like being able to tune in and get and have an hour or two for somebody to sell me on the universe they created and sell me on this story. And I like when you, I like when you mix it up. And sometimes you have somebody who spends a lot of time with the background of the world that they're creating. Sometimes you just jump right in both feet. They don't explain anything and you're left to figure it out on your own, which is something that's real enjoyable, especially in this day and age where you have a lot of shows that kind of hand feed you everything or hold your hand through the whole episode. Like we're not smart enough to figure it out. And it, it just uh, the Outer Limits is always gonna have a special place in my heart, and this is one of those shows that um, I wish that there was a Blu-ray release um, or at least a solid unedited DVD release. I wish one of the boutique places would pick this up and do a, a formal release because I would definitely buy this. This is something that I would definitely put on my shelf. I have season one that was available in a really ugly, gigantic, oversized box um, that I don't like. But um, it's it's just it's, it's it's a crappy. It's just it's not very good. Um, the the box set I don't know what it is about it. For some reason I don't I just don't like it. I don't like the way it's the way it, the discs are. I, there's just something about it. But I would love to have a full on anthology with all of the episodes and um, with uh, notes and commentary. I mean I, the whole deal. I mean that's something I'd be willing to invest some money in because this show um, is in my top ten. Um, all-time science fiction things out there. And I know that a lot of people love the original Outer Limits, and I liked it too. Um, but uh, my problem with the original Outer Limits is the problem I've always had is they've always they had great creatures, they had great effects for the time, um, they had great acting for the time. Um, everything about the show I like, but the stories 90% of the time were really slow and you had to slog through them. It was just a lot of um, introspection, a lot of... Uh, back and forth that didn't need to take place and I understand a lot of that was due to the fact they didn't have a lot of money so if they were going to show a creature or something they had to wait till the end um, but that's just my personal opinion on those I know some people might you know disagree but with this show you were just kind of like all in and it was uh, it was I, I especially like a lot of the alien world episodes or the human element where people were fighting and you know um, you know you, you were put in an impossible situation and Either you came together or you fell apart, and those are the episodes that I think really looked at the human condition and how people would react in those episodes and those scenarios, you know. But um, anyway, the Outer Limits. I cannot say enough good things about this show. If you have the opportunity to go and watch it, please do so because it's really uh, a really great science fiction to hit on all cylinders. Now I'm looking at my list, and I have more shows I'll talk about next time. And it looks like we're we're mostly into science fiction, so um, we'll be jumping into all that. Because I know some of these shows were kind of out there, but they definitely fall into genre television. But until next time, this is Aaron for the Sci-Fi Dig Podcast. Over and out. <laughs>